you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. So today's episode is the audio of a webinar I did last week on leadership. I've talked uh, recently about my passions around leadership uh, here on the podcast as well as on uh, all my social media channels and uh, it's just something that I, I deeply believe in, in in good leadership and I've seen the disasters of poor leadership and how that's just ruined people especially during a time like this and so I wanted to get in address some of the disasters that I've seen uh, and then share really sick convictions that I've had that, that I have uh, around effective leadership and being a great leader. So uh, that's what this episode is going to be about today. Super excited for you to listen to that. Two other things for you. One is be on the lookout because this podcast is going to be rebranded really soon. New name, new look, uh, same type of content, but really it's been a passion that's been burning inside of me as I've continued to get clearer and clearer on who I am and the conversations I'm having with the people that I am. And so Make sure to stay on the lookout, especially uh, Instagram. You can follow me at RJM Sales Pro. That's a great place to find uh, information. I'm going to release it there before you even hear the first rebranded episode. So that's going to be a place you're going to want to go. And lastly, I'm excited to announce that I'm kicking off my next round of Foundations Group Coaching. That's an opportunity for people to build the foundation of who they are. And then from that, create the life that they want to live, habit and discipline, and ultimately uh, gain clarity on the freedoms that they're trying to uh, experience in life. So if that's something that you're interested in learning more about in small group coaching, it's really an affordable way for you and I to work together to build some uh, community and collaboration with other like-minded, high-performing individuals. You can go to ryanjamesmiller.com foundations, and you can find out more about it there. In the meantime, Enjoy this episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we are set to kick off uh, Authentic Conversations number four is what I'm calling it now. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to be talking about, I'm going to be talking, I wish we were talking. I'm going to actually share something about that at the end. Uh, but uh, uh, this week, I'm going to be talking about leadership. Uh, if you have been following me at all on social media, uh, whether that is uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, <clears throat> you have seen me uh, sharing a, uh, a barrage of um, frustration with the way that a lot of uh, business leaders are, are handling our current uh, pandemic as it relates to just uh, running their own businesses and, and, and how that's being handled. Also praising uh, a couple of really great leaders out there. Um, I've talked uh, uh, now a couple of times about my uh, Mark Cuban uh, fanboying. Uh, Patrick Lencioni is another great guy doing that. <clears throat> but really, um, uh, there's been so many. Meg Whitman uh, with her uh, speed to launch of uh, the streaming platform Quibi and what she's trying to do to serve the population right now. There's just a lot of great uh, leadership in the midst of uh, chaos and, <laughs> and disaster of leadership. So uh, as I have done in the past, you know, I, I took to social media because I wanted to, to get some feedback. I wanted to hear from some of you guys uh, what you were seeing and hearing as it relates to faulty leadership. And I got some crazy, crazy responses that um, I captured 
and I, and I just want to talk about from the beginning uh, some just horrific experiences, uh, and then I'll share some of my own um, around poor leadership. And then what I believe are the keys to great leadership, and really there's six things that uh, I, I put together. Uh, you may have seen them if you, if you registered for this, um, or you did register for this, so you probably saw them when you registered. Um, but uh, as always, I love for this to be as interactive as possible. So if you have any questions, thoughts around leadership, something that you want to drop into the chat or the Q&A is always easier because I can see it there better and manage those questions a little bit better. But if you have any thought, any question around leadership, whether now or starting now or as I get going, uh, please make sure that you ask that question. Uh, would be so much better to be as interactive as possible. Okay, so I posed this question, you know, what are some of the, the challenges and disasters that people have seen in leadership? And so I'm gonna read some of these as they go. So I had one person respond and tell me that they worked for a leader that purposefully brought an employee to tears just because they could. I mean, like, talk about tyranny of leadership in, in just absolutely destroying people's um, uh, morale, a feeling, uh, and crazy enough, I've actually seen that happen myself. So it's really sad to see that, uh, that that's taken place. And as you're hearing, by the way, some of these like just appalling examples of leadership, I think that it's good for us to reflect on ways that we have led, and I'm going to talk about ways that we're all leading uh, in just a minute here, but um, just maybe we're susceptible to some of these things ourselves. Um, I had another one, uh, another uh, response, uh, and uh, this woman told me that uh, she watched uh, a leader hit on their assistant. And it's interesting because, you know, if we would have um, said something like that 20, 30 years ago, um, unfortunately, it probably would not have been as big of a deal. Um, and obviously, or, or uh, yeah, maybe obviously, but you know, that happens a lot more in the male uh, towards female relationship, but it's not exclusive to that. And uh, so that's just something that has become so, or we, we have so much more awareness around that now. And clearly, leaders should not be abusing their power in any way, particularly as it relates to preying on, on somebody from a relationship standpoint. Um, this is one that I hear, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but somebody said that they often heard a leader talking bad about others behind their back. Like a leader talking to other employees poorly about another employee. Like that's just crazy to me that somebody would do that. And yet, I have, I've, I've witnessed that and I've heard that time and time again. Um, uh, people talked about just arrogant, uh, arrogant dismissal of feedback. Like that's another one. Like if you are a leader, uh, it is required of you to take feedback, um, but not just to take it. Uh, you're required to do something with it. Even if you go back and address the person, and again, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but like if you go back and address the person and, uh, and say that, you heard them, but you just, you don't accept it, or you are not going to move forward with a recommendation or suggestion or whatever, that's fine. But you must be open to feedback and you must respond to all feedback, no matter the positive, the negative, whatever you got to respond. So that's an example of poor leadership. Um, 
Somebody else said managing uh, in a top-down way only. It's literally just what I say at the top uh, gets pushed all the way down, as does all the quote-unquote crap work gets pushed all the way down. That's just so poor. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me that, and actually she said that this has happened a couple of times, um, which is crazy, but th that this person did it to him a couple of times, but called them an ungrateful little girl in a meeting. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, uh, the, the ignorance, the immaturity uh, of that person doing that just, just is mind-blowing to me. Um, I heard about threats of, of, um, of uh, getting fired um, if they spoke up or spoke out about something. So that was poor. Um, micromanagement, I heard a lot, uh, which we've probably all been in that environment a lot. Um, and then just like harsh reprimand in general. So there's a lot of, of, of poor leadership. I've talked to myself, uh, watching leaders over the last couple of weeks, uh, protect profit over people. Um, you know, when, when things get scarce, when, when, we're, when we're scared, uh, when we're in fear, um, uh, when we go, go for security, we always tend to default towards our own. And that's not a way a leader should behave. Like, could you imagine if a military leader on the front lines laid down every single time a bullet started flying? Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, you got to be the one to go first. I remember I interviewed uh, a guy. Uh, early on uh, in my uh, in my podcast day, about it's been at least a year now. A guy by the name of Robert Valentino. It was a great episode. Uh, he was in the military, um, uh, in the army, and he talked about the fact that he had a leader that he served that ended up going and sacrificing himself. He was actually killed in the line of duty uh, as they were all out on patrol and they heard some noises in, I think they were in Afghanistan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so he, the leader went out to see what was wrong first. He did not want to put his men out in that position first. And he, he was killed as a result. But as a result of going out and sacrificing himself first, they got to position themselves differently and they were actually able to, uh, to overcome uh, the enemy in that environment and everybody else got out safely. Like that's the extreme, but we should all be willing as leaders to sacrifice ourselves. Um, okay. So I want to work through and, and I do have them listed today. I don't always work from notes when I do these things. Most times I'm actually just kind of going on the fly, uh, but I did want to, um, work through this list because these are really important, uh, that, uh, important characteristics of a leader. Um, and before I say that, uh, you may have heard me say this before, but leadership is not defined by a title. And a title does not define leadership. Uh, John Maxwell wrote a wonderful book years and years ago called 360 Leader. And in it, he, this, that was the first time that I read somebody talk about the fact that uh, we have the ability to lead from any role in an organization. And that's typically when we're talking leadership, you know, this happens in the home, it happens in our communities, but ultimately probably even why you're here is because uh, of something to do with business. And so um, uh, John Maxwell puts forth this concept. Uh, it was a concept at the time that we can lead from anywhere in an organization. And really what, what defines a leader? I mean, what defines a leader ultimately is somebody's ability to be able to influence other people 
to their idea, their desire, their action, their mission, their vision, whatever it is they're trying to do. Leadership is really about influence. And so it doesn't require a title. And as a matter of fact, I feel like some of the greatest examples of leadership and demonstrations of leadership come from people that you don't expect it from. And that's typically the people without a title. Like there are just amazing ways to lead without a title. Okay, so that said, so then let me work through these six. Uh, I, this could go quicker than we have over the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure. But again, if you have any thoughts or questions as it relates to comments, as it relates to these six things, feel free to jump in. Um, but, but here goes, so let me lay these out for you. So number one, our purpose in our organizations is to become a great leader that serves our people and our customers. The purpose in our organization is to become a great leader that serves our people and our customers. Now, most people, when they think about their career, when they think uh, about uh, um, aspirations from a professional standpoint, most would say that their purpose, their desire, their goal is to become a great leader in their organization. But it can't stop there. Like, we need to realize that the end goal is not leadership. The end goal is serving people. First, the people that work for us or with us, and second, our customers. And I know even that is a little bit of a, uh, a paradigm shift for some people because we've, we've often heard that we must serve our customer first. And I understand that what people are saying there, and I believe wholeheartedly that we must serve our customers with everything that we have. And I'm gonna give a couple of examples of that in just a minute. But if you do not serve your people first, your customers have no shot at being served. They have no shot at being served, at least not being served well. I've seen companies in the past that actually do a good job of serving their client, and yet they crap on their employees. They don't pay them well, they don't serve them well, they don't care for them, they're, they're forcing them to grind it out all in the name of serving the client. And you've heard me say over even the last couple of weeks, you have a responsibility as an employee, and we're all employees, even the owner, like you, 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 you're there to serve the company. Like we all have a responsibility to work our butts off, to work really hard, to serve to the best of our ability. We absolutely must do that. And, and we need to push that envelope as often as we can. But we need to, we, we need to recognize that if we are grinding our employees to the bone in order to serve our clients, then we've missed the point of why we started the business in the first place. Yes, we started a business to solve a problem, but ultimately we should be starting a business to serve people. And those that come into the confines of our, uh, of our building or our place of employment, if we're remote, is the employees. We have a responsibility to lead and serve them well. From any role in the organization, we must serve our employee first. And this, again, is, is why I've talked about, uh, I've praised guys like Cuban and Lencioni lately. Uh, Jack Dorsey, 
Jack Dorsey of Twitter the other day uh, commits a third of his wealth, a billion dollars, to serve small businesses during this time. Like, that's a way to serve people. And part of that was his own people because Twitter did a lot of really cool things right away when the pandemic hit to make sure that uh, people were being served. So we need to find ways to serve our employees, even at the sacrifice of ourselves. You know, um, as this pandemic has happened, one of the greatest frustrations I've seen is leaders that are protecting their own pockets as the, uh, and sacrificing their employees. This has been such a, a frustration for me that I've made a small pivot in my own business. And part of my goal by 2025 is to build an agency, an actual complete business services agency, consulting and coaching at the top, but also providing, providing all the tactical work that I'm recommending my clients to go get. Like, yes, it's going to serve my clients and I'm happy to do that. But I want to be a leader by 2025 that when the next pandemic hits or recession or something hurts, I have the ability to sacrifice myself for my employees. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And I've already taken the first two steps. Even though I've taken financial hit in the last couple of weeks, I've already brought on two contractors that I'm starting to give some work to that I'm going to push this envelope to hopefully take me all the way to 2025 and have 40, 50, 60, 100 people working for me at that time. Like I want to be a leader that, that can continually sacrifice myself for my people. Then it goes to our employees. We've got, I mean, uh, to our customers. Uh, I get so ranty about the employee thing that I, I can get one track. So we must serve our customer. Like uh, I'm just going to use a, uh, an example uh, that is uh, really personal to me in the moment. So um, uh, I CrossFit, and uh, you've heard me talk about this before whatever, you can hear it again. Uh, I CrossFit, and so when, uh, when the order was sent down that we could uh, no longer uh, be in the gym, the gym had to close down, uh, they have a decision to make, right? Um, they either just try and uh, make people feel guilty and plead with them to not cancel their memberships, or they try and find ways to serve their members, uh, their customers, uh, in the midst of what's going on, even maybe at the sacrifice of themselves. So at the ownership level, uh, they've made some decisions to provide some uh, virtual um, uh, coaching uh, and classes. They started uh, uh, lending out equipment at no cost to paying members, and that was awesome. But, but what, what has happened that I've loved even more is, is what the, co the, the responsibility the coaches have taken as leaders in this too. And I don't know like, you know, whose idea this was in the organization, but these coaches are providing one-on-one -on -one personal training to a couple hundred members in our gym. And they, so they're sacrificing their time. They're, they're probably working harder, and this is not to take anything away from the hard work they put in before, but they're probably working harder right now trying to serve their members by providing all this one-on-one -on -one, uh, workout programming and coaching and being responsive to make them feel loved and cared for and part of the community. So they are sacrificing their own time in order to better serve their customer during this time. And so there's, there's just steps that we can all take. You've got to think about whether it's a time like this or even in the greatest of times, how can you better serve your client?
I've also said before, if you are in business and you make a decision that negatively affects your client to the benefit of you, I hope that you're out of business. I don't feel like anybody should be in business if you're thinking of yourself before you're thinking of your client. That doesn't mean that you, don't, you, you shouldn't seek out profit to, and you shouldn't want to generate revenue and increase revenue and add more customers. I'm a capitalist. I, I believe that we all should work hard and we should, be, we should uh, gain off of that. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I just don't think that we should gain off of the ill will and the backs of uh, uh, other people that are out there in the marketplace. So number one, that was just number one. And I thought this was going to go fast, but we must seek to first serve our employees and then serve our customers. That's how we become great leaders in an organization. That was number one. Number two, in order to be a great leader, we must have the ability to draw others into the direction we desire. So let me, uh, uh, let me caveat that, right? Um, this is not about manhandling people to do the things that we want them to do. This is not trying to use our power, our authority, our stupid title to get somebody to do what we want them to do. That's not it. As a leader, right, if, we, uh, if we're aligned with the mission, vision, and values of the organization that we work for um, or that we, that we own, um, hopefully you do. If, if, if your mission, vision, and values are out of alignment and you're the owner, you have a problem. But that, that's kind of top level, right? So we align with that stuff. Then we seek to serve our customer, our employee first, and then our customer second. Then we should have the ability to influence the people around us into the direction that we believe is right to serve mission, vision, values, employees, and customers. If you do not have the ability to influence people and you find yourself having to force them by way of your title, into this, you have a serious problem. And it has a lot more to do with the um, reputation you've built, with the trust that you have, uh, with the weight that you carry with your employees. It has a lot more to do with that than it does to do with uh, whether or not you have a big enough title to actually just make them do it. Like you, you need to work to build that relationship. You need to work to build that influence. It's so critically important and it takes time. It doesn't take a title. It's interesting. Like I remember um, uh, years ago, so I, I had been in sales for, I don't know, 12, 13 years or something like that. And I went to work for an organization uh, that uh, I was chasing an opportunity to uh, become VP of sales in. And along the way, I became a regional sales manager for one of the regions. And I thought it was so amazing that I finally had graduated uh, to being able to boss other people around. Sounds so stupid when I say it, but <laughs> it's just the reality. But what I realized was telling people to do, it just doesn't work. Like it may work in the short term, but long term, people won't like you and you're, not, you're ultimately not going to get done the things that you want to get done. So you need to work on your influence. And the only way that you gain influence is by building trust, being reliable, people having confidence in you, you having confidence in them, being open, being honest, 
right? It's, it's about building relationships. It's not about lording over people. So we must have the ability to draw others in the direction that we want to go for the sake of the organization. If we can't do that, we're not a leader. I don't care what your title says. And if you are, um, if you're an independent business owner, and let's just say you don't have employees or you're applying this to other areas of your life, like if you think about influencers in today's world, and that word is just so just a mess, but like Instagram influencers, like they get paid sometimes ridiculous amounts of money to get people to buy products. How do they do that? Well, the good ones have built up a level of trust. Uh, they have an identity. And so their followers, their fans, will do what they're asked to do, to buy products, to engage in services. Like that's the like, basic function of influence. They've just found a way to capitalize it on a world of social media. So, um, you know, th this, is, this, is, this is the way that I, I try to parent. Um, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes I lose control and I find myself trying to lord over my kids. Uh, other times you do need <laughs> to get a little punchy with them when they're 18 and 10. Um, but, um, but I really try to lead my family from a place of influence than from a place of, I'm your dad, I said so. Because we all remember what it was like to be a kid and nobody loved listening to us, somebody tell us. I told, it's because I said so. Like that's just, that, that just sucks and it just doesn't work. Number three, we need to have a passion to believe what we are doing is right and we need to have the ability to convince others of the same thing. So this ties a little bit into what I just talked about, but uh, let me expand upon this a little bit. So um, many people get into business because they need a job. And I get that. But then once we get into that job, the only way that we think that we can continue to earn money or, or grow our income is by just climbing the ladder. And it's been fascinating to me. Uh, I've worked uh, for organizations, consulting, uh, and even in some coaching relationships with some executive leaders that don't completely believe in the vision and values of the organization. Or they think they have a really cool product or service to offer, but they're just not into it. They're just not that into it. And, and I get it. Like, we're not all going to get out of bed and, you know, with a burning desire to do X, Y, or Z. I, I understand. But we must have passion for the things that we're doing. Again, I believe to be successful in business, you must have a passion for people. But beyond that, I believe that we need to have a passion for the, solu the, the, uh, the solution that we provide. So I bring this one up a lot because um, I spend a lot of time in this space, but when I'm consulting and coaching in the healthcare world, um, I, I tell people all the time, you got to have a passion to help people stay healthy and to prevent people from getting sick and to help people that are sick get healthy. Like if that's not the end game and you're just in it because commissions are high or you love your product or um, you're into technology or whatever, like that's okay. But 
it's just not going to serve you as well as if you are actually passionate for the outcomes you're trying to produce down the road in, in the long run. So passion is key. So you have to have that passion. Um, and you have to believe that you're doing the right thing. Again, I've coached people out of organizations because they just don't feel comfortable selling at a certain price because they feel like it's too much or that they're not really offering enough value to their clients or they're not super hyped on the service offering or the way that the brand is communicated. Like if you want to be a leader in an organization, and again, this can come from any level. If you want to be someone of influence, you got to have passion. And by the way, uh, to the second point, if you don't have passion for the things that you're doing, your people are going to see right through you. Like if, if you're just there as a leader because you got a pay raise or you, you get to tell your mom you, you got a new title, your employees are going to see right through that. They're going to see that you don't care about helping grow and develop them. You, you have to, have to, have to have that passion and convince other people that it's in fact deep in you. And then get them to believe that for themselves. Again, we're trying to influence people to get on the train with the mission, vision, and values of where we're going, of the things that we believe in. Number four, I love when I'm rattling through these a little bit far or quicker. Uh, number four, we must have a continued desire to model learning and growth amongst our team and our organization. So again, we must have a continued, must have a continued desire to model learning and growth amongst our team and our organization. And I hope you picked up on what I said there. I didn't say that we're to deliver growth and education. I didn't say we should mandate it for other people. I said that we should model it. Too many leaders have this attitude, I, I don't even think sometimes it's completely intentional, but so many leaders have this attitude that they've arrived, that they've got it figured out. I often see new people being hired into an organization and their words being discounted the most because uh, they don't have the experience, they don't understand, they're, they're, the, they're the, the new person and they, they've got some time to learn before um, their feedback carries enough weight for us to, to really listen to what they have to say, even though we would never probably admit to that, at least not saying it like that. What's insane is, is one of the greatest like, benefits I believe I bring an organization uh, as a consultant or as a coach is my objectivity to the environment. I don't have head trash from past relationships, hurt, politics. Um, I got no skin in that game other than to try and go in there and help them do the right thing. Well, that's what a new employee is. If you've hired appropriately, if you have a good process for vetting candidates and you are pretty certain that that person demonstrates the characteristics of somebody that could be a long-standing member of your team, well, then you should be willing to hear their feedback day one. As a matter of fact, I've heard organizations that ask prospective candidates to evaluate parts of the company prior to coming into the organization. Years ago, I remember uh, I, um, 
I interviewed for uh, a regional vice president of sales for T-Mobile here in Southern California. Pretty big job. Uh, and they had me do that as it related to their compensation modeling and uh, their action on underperforming employees. Interestingly enough, uh, my, because of my recommendations, I didn't get hired for the job. Uh, they felt that if you miss goal one month, you should be uh, put on um, a, a improvement plan and month two, you're fired if you, don't, if, if you miss back to back months. That was a little extreme in my mind. Uh, they didn't like that I said that, and so I didn't get the job. So it worked out pretty well for me, I think. That wouldn't have been very passionate for me. I just, I, I don't think I could continue to wear magenta every single day. <laughs> but, um, but we should listen to feedback as early on as possible, and we should continue to listen to feedback. Um, we can learn, we can grow. And, and one of the best ways that we model that, right, like this point was that we model growth and learning, education, that, that it's we do it first. If we're going to recommend for our team to read a book, we should have read it already. And probably we should be willing to read it again with them. If we're going to send them off to some conference to learn, you have time for that. You can figure it out. I understand. You've got a lot of work to do. As a leader, you probably have some more responsibilities. But go, be a part of the team, model. And then don't sit there. Like I see this a lot too when I speak in front of organizations. Um, the leader gets up in front. Um, they introduce me. Or no, they preface first. I forgot. They preface with, okay, uh, make sure cell phones are away. Computers are shut down. I want you to pay complete attention. Ryan Miller's here today, yada, 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 whatever. And then I get up there. All the employees obey. And the freaking leaders open up their computers and start working. I'm like, what a terrible model. Like, it's not just because it's me. Like, I'm not offended. If you don't want to listen to me, don't listen to me. But you just told your employees that, that you want them to pay complete attention because there's some value in whatever it is that person's going to say. And then you tell them that you don't value it. Like, that's crazy to me. And yet it happens a lot. Always be learning. Always be growing. Take feedback model that. If you model learning and education uh, as a leader, your people will follow. And if they don't, they may not end up being great people to have on your team because you, you want your whole team to, to continue to want to grow and develop. Like we just never stop learning. It goes on and on forever. Um, number five, we must possess the qualities of a great leader, including, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, but we must possess the qualities of character, credibility, communication, and stewardship. So I have spoken to some of these at different points, but I just want to break out a few of them and just talk about like, well, what do you mean by this? Or what do you mean by that? Okay. So um, a character first, again, Self-service, self-sacrifice. Uh, we've probably all heard the word at one time or another, servant leadership. But if you want to lead, you should be a servant first. You should be honest. You should be considerate. You should have some level of, you should have a lot of empathy. Um, you, you should be trustworthy. Again, this goes to like things earlier about not talking behind people's backs. Um, there, there's a lot I could say there around character, but think about 
leaders that you that you desire to follow or that you aspire to be like nobody nobody has aspirations to be adolf hitler and yet he demonstrated some great characteristics of a leader and i know that when i make a statement like that that's really offensive but think about it he got millions of people to follow along and believe in his lies and do the things that he wanted them to do. So in that, in, in that area, he was a great leader. He was just a horrific human being doing very, very evil things. So he had terrible character, but there was other characteristics that were good uh, as it relates to the definition of a leader um, in general. Never, never my leader. Um, so, so anyway, so character matters. Character is of the utmost importance when we're leading. Number two, and uh, this ties into some of the, uh, some of the character traits, uh, but it's credibility. We're going to make mistakes. Like none of us as leaders are perfect. Um, I've made so many mistakes, so many mistakes leading teams that I was directly responsible for. Um, in the place that I'm in right now, like there are people that I'm humbled to say, like, look up to me, that follow me, that feel like I influence some of the things uh, that they do. And yet I've made missteps and mistakes that have been offensive and hurtful. And uh, so even there, when I'm making the mistakes, credibility comes into place when I'm willing to speak up and speak out about it, to be honest and to let people know that I made a mistake. We build credibility that way too. It's not just about uh, walking this perfect line. And that's actually a lot of the reason why leaders falter and don't have credibility with their teams is because they pretend to walk this perfect fine line and yet they falter, try and cover it up, and then their team doesn't want to buy into them or doesn't want to believe them. And so again, you've got to be credible. You've got to do what you say and say what you do. And if you're doing things that are out of line with mission, vision, values, serving employees, serving customers, you're not going to be credible either. So credibility, super important. Communication. You need to be a good communicator. You do not have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be super charismatic. You don't have to be um, pretty. You just have to care about people. It's so important when we think about that. And so when, when we think about communication, what's important is that we speak from the heart, that we believe, again, in the things that we're saying, that we believe that when we're asking people to do the things that they're doing, that we'll do them well, or they will do them well. Um, we we've got to be honest. We've got to be clear in our communication. We've got to set clear expectations. We should never make assumptions, even if we've said things before. Um, we need to do the best that we can to face-to-face -to -face verbally communicate with our people. Uh, in a day and age when it's easy to flip text messages and emails, that can be very, very dangerous. So you have to be a good communicator, but be a communicator in the human-to-human -human interaction. Be willing to have difficult conversations. I get it. They're really hard to have. But you can do it. 
I've referenced before, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. He talks in there so much about having difficult conversations. It's a fantastic fable that's written, but in there you can see the art of leaders and leadership having great difficult conversations. I've worked for far too many leaders that avoid them at all costs. I serve some great leaders right now that are terrible at difficult conversations. I'm friends with people right now that are terrible at difficult conversations. It's not awesome to tell people they didn't do a good job or that they missed a deadline or you're not happy with them or that you've got to cut their pay because things are really difficult right now. But if you've built a relationship of trust and credibility and they believe you to be authentic and honest and empathetic, then having that difficult conversation won't be so hard. The people that struggle the most, I believe, to have difficult conversations are likely ones that have some unresolved issue inside of themselves that makes it difficult to ask somebody to do something that they wouldn't actually even do themselves. They're asking somebody or they're holding somebody a standard that they wouldn't even hold themselves to. They're asking somebody to live up to a standard that they don't live up to even though they say they do. So communication, critically important. And lastly, stewardship. Um, I've spoken to this all throughout. The quality of a great leader is someone that stewards their role well. Look, I get it. You've worked hard. You have put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, whatever it is, and you believe that you have earned your role, and I'm proud of you. Good job if you're in some leadership position. And sure, you've earned it, but you've also been gifted it. You have been gifted an opportunity to influence other people. You have been put in a position to serve the people you work for, the customers that you work for or that you work with. You've been gifted with the ability to help other people become the best version of themselves. It's a gift. It's not some prize that you get to claim. And so stewardship means that you have a responsibility to serve well to give of all of your time, all of your talent, all of your treasure. You need to give that back to everybody that sees you as a leader. Anyone that sees you as to having some sort of influence. You have a responsibility. It's not an option. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. We just don't see eye to eye because I'm absolutely convinced that you have a responsibility to steward your position well. And the best part is, is if you serve people well, it will benefit you. You will be seen as a great leader. You will have a much more secure position. You'll probably be financially rewarded by your organization as a result of doing that. So it's going to come back to you in spades. But that's not, what, that's not our goal. That's just a natural outcome of the goal to steward our position well. And lastly, number six. We must build a legacy for our team, for our organization, 
and for the clients we serve. We must build a legacy. So part of that is definitely that we're, we're, we're leaving it in a better place than when we arrived. And so there's a lot of, of way in which you can do that. But I want to talk specifically about, about now and what it means to live a legacy now. So earlier I brought up uh, the fact that uh, Jack Dorsey, this, uh, the CEO of Twitter, uh, donated a third of his wealth uh, to, um, to help small businesses during this time, to help his employees during this time. He's taken so much flack. Um, he's not a model citizen. There's plenty of things that he's done as a CEO of that organization over the years that I personally don't agree with. Um, he's not some perfect angel. He's a human being, many faults, just like every other one of us. Some other people are giving him crap because they're like, well, you know, he ha he's worth $3 billion, so what's a billion dollars? Like, that's a third of his wealth. If you and I had $100,000, we probably would not give up $30,000 right now to help somebody else. We may give up a percentage of it, but probably not 30%. So that goes a long way in my book. But what was most profound to me is why he did it. He said that it was much more important to leave a legacy for people while he was living to be able to witness it than to leave it to people after he died. And I just thought that was so so amazing. It's again, not to say that we don't want to build sustainability in our organizations for decades and decades to come. There's wisdom in that. But I think we have an opportunity to leave a legacy now. Like Steve Jobs was iconic after his death, but he was so influential. And he was a legacy during the time he was alive at Apple and the things that he did. Elon Musk is already leaving a legacy. Again, not a perfect human being, but he's done some amazing things. He so deeply believes in his mission, his vision, his values. Even though he's making missteps, he's leaving a legacy of a lot of positivity and a lot of work well done. There are so many people that are doing that right now. I work for, I work with, uh, the, uh, an executive of a large national corporation. And uh, Sunday we were speaking, uh, this last Sunday, and we were talking about leadership. And we were talking about um, Cuban. Uh, he was the one that turned me on to the Lencioni podcast episode when Lencioni was talking about uh, executives sacrificing their salaries for other people or for their employees. So we're chit-chatting about that, and he's a super kind human being, huge, huge heart, and um, I was sharing with him my vision for building a business in the future, and he says, oh yeah, I'm already there. And I was like, what? And so he was talking about the fact that he's been speaking with a couple of leaders on his team um, to make sure that every single one of his employees is cared for that nobody loses their job and that he's willing to dig into his own pocket to help support people and even not collect a salary if that's what it's gonna take for an extended period of time to ensure the people that have helped get him to where he is have a job to come to. Like, 
he probably would never ever admit to that publicly if it happened. But that's a living legacy now. Like this is the time to show up. We're not saving for a rainy day. We, not, we may not be alive tomorrow. Like as leaders, as influencers, we have an opportunity today to do something. What are you going to do with the influence that you have been given? From wherever you are standing, you have the opportunity to influence people. And so really, my, my kind of closing question is, what type of leader are you going to be? Not what type of leader do you want to be, but what type of leader are you going to be? Are you going to be a leader that's a tyrant, that hits on their employees, that talks behind their back, that makes them cry, that takes money from them just for themselves? that micromanages at every opportunity imaginable, that avoids difficult conversations no matter the cost? Or are you gonna be the leader, the influencer that serves people, that's passionate about your mission, vision, your values, the service and products that you provide? Are you gonna be empathetic and understanding? Are you gonna demonstrate good characteristics? It's a choice that you have to make, but you need to make an active choice as to which way you're gonna go. We can all talk about it, but it's a whole nother thing to do it. And I have confidence to believe that the people that make the decision to do it and go and do it will be well rewarded. Whether that's praise and accolade and encouragement, whether that's financial benefit, I don't know what that looks like, but I guarantee you, you will be fulfilled in ways you can't even imagine as the result of being a leader that leads in these six areas that I talked about today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.